<laughs> I want to say thank you for being here this morning. Even if you've been here almost every Sunday for the last 50 years, I'm thankful you're here this Sunday. And if this is the first Sunday you've been here, I'm thankful you're here this Sunday. We have some people here for the first time this morning. I'd, I don't even want to dare try to say all of the people who are here for the first time this morning, because I know I'm not going to get everybody. But um, there's a new Luna in the house today. <laughs> Welcome to Roman and to his mom and dad. I have one announcement, an important announcement. Next Sunday morning, uh, there is a membership class, 9 o'clock in the morning, in the nursery in the back. And uh, if you have been attending Harmony Baptist Church for, for a period of time and you want to take another step in, uh, come to the class on Sunday morning next week at 9 o'clock. Find out a little bit more about what we're about, who we are, what the, what the um, requirements and the expectations and the reasons for membership are. And uh, we will be very happy to welcome you uh, both into the class and uh, when everything is right into the membership of Harmony Ministries family. We're excited about all the things that God has been doing here we're excited about just a few weeks now, the beginning of a new school year, and uh, things are exciting at the school. The building is getting cleaned and ready and, and uh, ready to welcome a new school year of students and new staff and returning staff and new families and returning families. We're excited about all of that. I hope that you keep uh, Harmony Christian School in your prayers in these next few weeks leading up to the beginning of school. Uh, I'm excited to uh, get back into this series from the Sermon on the Mount. This is week 21. Can you believe 21 weeks already in this series in the Sermon on the Mount? After today, there are just four more sermons in this series. Four more. And uh, you're thinking, oh, finally. <laughs> Not me. I've been, I've been enjoying this. I love knocking people down. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really. I really don't. But I have been enjoying this uh, series in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus has to say to us. And uh, in the last week or week and a half, uh, I have been praying and preparing for what's coming after this series. I'm not ready to tell you yet, but I think you're going to, well, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to think. I know I'm excited about what's coming next, but I'm still excited about what's happening right now. So I want to continue this morning and uh, talk about what Jesus has to say about which way we're going. Which way we're going. And so I want to give you this disclosure slash disclaimer. Right at the beginning of this message, I want to tell you that by the end of this message, you are going to make a decision. This is not a timeshare presentation. <laughs> this is not a sales pitch. I'm just telling you 
what Jesus has already said to us. And so, at the uh, at or before or by the end of this message today, everyone in this room is going to make or possibly confirm a decision that you've already made. And uh, let me just let me just tell you that decision that you're going to make is going to be yes. It's going to be no. Or it's going to be not right now. But not right now is a decision. Okay? So, since, since I've told you that up front, I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. So that uh, you and I are ready for the decision that we're about to make. Let's pray. Father, this is a different kind of message for me, different from what um, the family here at Harmony has gotten accustomed to when they listen to me talk. But this is not about me today. Uh, This is about you and what you have to say. And uh, I pray, Father, that you will help me to deliver this message faithfully. Uh, I pray that you will help uh, everyone here and everyone listening online to to listen effectively. Uh, I pray that you will silence any and all distractions, those external and those internal, even the distracting thoughts that pass through our heads or the vibration of a phone telling, telling me I've got a new text message or whatever it might be. I pray, Father, that you... Your Holy Spirit and your angels surrounding and camped around this place will, will protect this space and protect this moment because it is my confident belief that by your Holy Spirit you have something you want to say to us today. You've said it plainly. It's not mysterious. It's not hidden. It's not hard to understand. It's not hard to discover. It's plain and simple, and it calls us to a decision. And so I pray, Father, that you will help us in these moments to be fully informed and fully prepared to make that decision that is in my best interest and which will please you. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. This is what Jesus says. And even, even if you're a person that has been thinking all of these weeks, boy, I wish this Sermon on the Mount was, cl- was clear. I wish it was plain. I wish it was simple. I wish it would just tell me. I wish Jesus would just tell me what I should think. Even if you, even if you have been listening to this series of messages up until now, in the last 20 messages, even if... Do not be anxious about anything wasn't clear. Even if do not judge wasn't clear. Even if uh, you, you shall not commit murder and you shall not hate wasn't clear. Even if any of that was, was vague and unclear. There's nothing vague or unclear about what Jesus has to say in these next three sentences. 
in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it by it are many. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and easy the way that leads to destruction, and many choose that path. Here's how Solomon describes this same gate. He says this in Proverbs 14, 12, and it's so important, he repeats it word for word two chapters later in Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Let me talk for a minute about the way that seems right. It's the system of works. And if you examine every world religion, every world religion has some version of this way that seems right. If you do enough good works, you will tip the scales of justice in your favor. If you do enough good things to outweigh the sin that you admittedly have done, as long as you do one more good thing than all of the evil things, you have earned a place in heaven. That seems right. It seems fair. Or even just. I mean, we have this image of justice. The, the woman with a blindfold who's holding the scales of justice. And we try to make sure that the scales are loaded in our, in our favor. That seems right. But it isn't. That's the way that leads to destruction. How many good deeds are required to counteract the the one sin that separates me from the love and the grace and the fellowship with God? One sin. My first sin was all it took to close the gates of heaven to me forever. Think about what was your first sin. Probably it was when I closed my lips tight and shook my head at the strained peas that were coming at me. (laughs) Disobedient to parents. That's in the list. You know that, right? Disobedient to parents. How many of you have been disobedient to parents? And there it was. It was was just like that. Boom! How many righteous acts does it take for me to overcome that sin that separated me from God? An infinite number. The number, remember what Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot enter unless you are holier than the holiest people you know, you aren't going to heaven on your holiness. 
the way that seems right is wrong. You have a choice to make. You can choose the wide gate. You can choose the easy road. After all, it's easier. It's more popular. You're with all of your friends walking down the road together. Follow the yellow brick road. (laughs) Something wrong with this? It's easier, it's more popular, but it leads to destruction. The superhighway that we're on comes to the bridge and the bridge is out. And like the lemmings, we will just keep going on the wide, easy road until we throw ourselves into the abyss that separates us from heaven. There's another way. Jesus says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. You probably are familiar with the Robert Frost poem, Two Roads Diverged in a Yellow Wood. I took the one less traveled by. That's the right road. The one that not many people find. Or, or they see it and they pass it by. That doesn't look appealing. That looks too difficult. Few find it. The narrow gate, the hard road, it's harder. It's not popular. But it leads to life. There, if, you've, if you're filling out the blanks in your bulletin, you, you're done. But let me ask you this question. And and this is in your notes too. Have you ever wondered why in American Christianity we have worked so hard to make the hard road easier? To make it look more like the easy road? To make the gate wide? I mean, we're filling the potholes or trying to. We're trying to make the steep grade a little more gentle. We're installing handicap handrails. Straightening out the curves. If you're a motorcyclist, you don't want the curves straightened out, right? Yeah, you want it. We're repainting the lane marker lines. Oh, we're good at that, right? We've got to make sure those lane marker lines are very clearly painted so that you know when you are on the wrong side of the line. We're good at that. We've even worked hard to build comfortable rest areas and roadside attractions to make the hard road easier. I wonder what Jesus has to say about our effort 
to reconstruct the hard road to make it look like the easy road. You thought about that? I invite you to think about that. That's why I put that in, the, in those notes. If you ever look at these notes again after this morning, one or two of you might. Jesus took the hard road. Let me remind you of uh, these verses from John chapter 1. Jesus came to his own, his own people. He came to his own people to keep a promise that had been made. God had made a promise to this particular people and he kept it and he sent his only begotten son to these people to keep that promise. But did they receive him? They did not. He came to those who were his own and his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Now, start thinking now, does this describe you? Jesus came to everyone. He came for everyone. Some have received him and some have not. Where are you? Are you among those who have not recognized him, who have not received him? Or are you among those who have said, you are, you are the son of God. You are my hope of restored fellowship with God. You are my hope of the forgiveness of sin and freedom that comes with it. You are my hope of eternity in the presence of God. To those who receive him and who believe in his name. Here's another thing that Jesus said. John 14 and verse 6. These are familiar. See, I'm not telling you anything probably you've never heard before, am I? You, you, you say, how does he get paid to do this? <laughs> He's just saying the same stuff. What, you want I should make up something new? That's where we get into trouble. Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, no one, no one. Say that with me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the narrow gate. John chapter 10 verse 9. He says this, I am the gate. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. I love that we sang this next verse in the, the song. One of the songs that we sang. Uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Peter puts it this way. Very plainly. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other road that leads to life. This is the way. There is no other way. One of my favorite passages and one of the most important passages we have in the word of God on the subject of the way to life is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's a little bit longer passage, so bear with me while I read through this. 
Paul says, for the love of Christ controls us or compels us because we have concluded this, that one Jesus has died for all and therefore all have died. I have been crucified with Christ. In his death, my sin has been paid for. All have died. And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Let me, let me say that part again. Those who live might no longer live for themselves. If you're here in this room and you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you are no longer living for yourself. Remind yourself of that. I am no longer living for myself. But rather I am living for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, he says, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. I have learned better about Jesus, Paul says. I used to think one way about Jesus, but now I know better. Now I know who he is. Now I see him. Now I understand he is the one who gave his life for me, and he is my only hope for the forgiveness of sin, restored fellowship with God, and eternity in the presence of God in heaven. Therefore, you know this verse. This is a memory verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you know that verse? Do you see yourself in that verse? If anyone is in Christ, if you are in Christ, you can say this to yourself in this way right now where you're sitting quietly so that whatever. I, I am in Christ and therefore I am a new creation. All of the old things about me that I'm embarrassed about and ashamed of and that I want no one to know about, all of those things are dead and gone. Let's bury them. Let's not, let's not dig up those old bones again, uh, Randy Travis sung, digging up bones. Let's not keep digging up the things that are dead and buried. But let's focus on the new that God has brought into our lives. I am a new person. He goes on, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. You've heard me remind us of this before. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Amen, praise God. He's not counting my trespasses against me. He's not measuring me by my faults. He is measuring me by the righteousness of Christ. And he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. And it is this message of reconciliation that he has entrusted to us that we're speaking to one another this morning. We're speaking to one another this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you, I 
implore you, I plead with you, I coerce you, I cajole you, I... (laughs) Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, if I could make you be saved, I would. But God doesn't even make you be saved, right? He invites you. And I am extending his invitation this morning. Be reconciled to God. This is what the world needs today. You want to you wanna complain, you want to observe, you want to point out various things about our world today that are broken. There's plenty to talk about. But there's one solution. One solution. Be reconciled to God. Husbands and wives, be reconciled to God. And you will find it much easier to be reconciled to one another. Parents and children, be reconciled to God. And you'll be able to be reconciled to one another. Neighbor who's blowing his leaves onto your yard. (laughs) Be reconciled to God. Pray for your neighbor to be reconciled to God. And rake up his leaves. Whatever it takes. Here's a verse from the Old Testament prophet Joel. Joel is in that part of the Bible where the pages are still stuck together. Because <laughs> the gilding on the edges haven't, hasn't been broken. There's no coffee rings on those pages. Joel chapter 3. Joel sees a vision. It's a frightening vision. He describes it in Joel chapter 3 and verse 14. He looks out and he sees multitudes. Multitudes in the valley of decision. Multitudes in the valley of decision. The multitudes of people on earth today is a staggering number, right? Somewhere around now 7 billion people and the number is going up daily. 7 billion people. 7 billion people alive today who God cares about, even if you or I don't. Who God cares about. That was the lesson we learned from Jonah, right? Should I not care about these people that you have written off? Should I not care about these people? Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sands of time are slipping through that hourglass. We don't know how much sand is in the top. We have a pretty good idea how how much sand has reached the bottom side of the hourglass, right? How much more can there be? I hear people talking about this all the time. Kelly and I talk about this. When we look at what's going on in the world around us and we wonder, how much, how much worse does it have to get? Do you have that thought? 
How much worse can it get? Oh, don't ask that question. Because somebody's waiting with an answer. But the day of the Lord is near. It has always been near. Since I was a little boy and the preacher would talk about the day of the Lord's return is near. It's nearer than it's ever been. Okay. That's just logic. My parents said to me, we're closer to our destination than we were when you last asked five minutes ago. Because we're heading in the right direction, right? Time is linear and I'm already an hour older than I was when we started here today. Do, do I look like I've aged in that? Yeah. Time doesn't go backwards. We're getting closer to the end. Just like the road we're on, how long can you walk on the road you're on before you reach the end of that road? Multitudes in the valley of decision. I, I have this picture to just give myself a visual. I do not like being in a crowd of people tightly packed like that. Maybe you do. Maybe you'd like to be down at Times Square on New Year's Eve and see the ball drop. If I've got to be anywhere near there, I'd rather be watching it on television because I don't want to be in the press of the crowd. But I see myself in this picture. Do you see yourself in this picture? You are one of the multitude in the valley of decision. You will make a decision today. Your decision might be, I'm confirming a decision I made decades ago. For me, a decision I made when I was seven years old. But every time I hear a message like this message and I hear the preacher talk about making a decision, the decision I make is, that's what I believe. That's what I believed then. That's what I believe now. I'm still standing in the decision that I made at the age of seven. For you, for you, it might be a different decision. It might be every time I've heard this kind of a message before, I've said, well, not right now. Not yet. I still have time. I'm going to check some other things out and make sure. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to I'm going to look at the pros and the cons. I'm going to consider the cost. What will it cost me if I make a decision today to follow Jesus Christ? What will it cost me? And what will it cost me if I don't? I recognize that you and I have to make this decision. And I can't make it for you. You can't. You can lead the horse to water, right? But you can't make the horse drink. You can add some salt into the oats and make the horse thirsty. But you can't make the horse drink the water, right? So I cannot make this decision for you. I wish that I could. I can only make this decision for myself. And then I try to influence as many people as I can. The more people I can influence to make this decision with me, the happier I am knowing that I'm bringing people with me that I love and that there will be people in heaven that I deeply care about because they have made the same decision I've made. 
I talked about 7 billion people. I cannot win 7 billion people to Christ. But if I can win one. If you're here this morning and you have not yet made this decision, then today is a day of decision for you. Today, you are in the valley of decision. You are one of the multitude making the decision to take the hard road to take the way that Jesus says, choose the narrow gate. Jesus says this. I'm not making this up. I'm just trying to faithfully deliver the message that he has given to us. We're in the valley of decision. Here's a verse from Hebrews 9.27. And every time, every time I think about a decision in front of me, and every time I think about my responsibility, my responsibility as an ambassador of Christ to, to declare the message, be reconciled to God, I think about this verse. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after that... The judgment. I'm a calendar person. I like to have things on my calendar. I like to look at, see what's coming up for me. Uh, uh, that I, I want to be careful not to miss important meetings or appointments. I don't want. I don't like to be late. I don't like to keep other people waiting. So I'm very careful about my calendar. I I I wish that I could see some of the hidden entries that God has put on my calendar. They're there. I just haven't, he hasn't shared them with me yet. It's probably for my, for my good that he doesn't tell me everything that's on my calendar. But one of the things on my calendar is the last entry on the calendar of my life. God has already determined the day, the hour, and the means by which my life here on earth will come to an end. I'm kind of hoping that it's to be caught up. Alive, right? I, I'm kind of hoping that I get to be one of those that is alive and remains at the coming of the Lord. It's cool with me that the dead in Christ are going to get to go first. I'm fine. I'm patient. I'll wait. Because... Because the promise is that I, that I and everybody else who, who is a child of God around there with me, I hope Kelly's standing by my side. And I hope there's one or two that I can grab a hold of. But we're going to catch up to the people that have gone ahead of us. Jesus said through, through Paul, uh, then those who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord we're not going to get to go first. We're going to get to go second. But we're going to catch up. I hope, that that's, I hope that's the date on my calendar. But if it isn't. If it isn't. And if my life on earth is going to come to an end. In the way that it has come to an end. For almost, almost every other living being on earth. There are two exceptions Besides all the people alive today, two people that did not see death, you know who they are, right? Enoch and Enoch and Elijah. We have their stories, but the rest of us, 
the rest of us are going to pass through the waters of death. That's on my calendar. I don't know when it is. I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. And I don't know the means by which my life will end on earth. But I know it's out there in front of me. And I know that that's not the end of God's dealing with me. Because it's appointed unto men once to die. And after that, what? The judgment. I'm going to live. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to stand before God. And the decision that I have made now is the only thing that's going to matter when I stand before God. So as far as any of us knows, for certain, today, today, as far as any of us knows, we only have today. I cannot do anything yesterday. I've already done it. I cannot do anything tomorrow. I'm not there yet. I can make plans, but my plans are being made today. I'm making plans. I'm doing that today. If it happens that I get to tomorrow and I get to do the things that I said yesterday I'm going to do today, Okay, I'm doing it today. You and I, we only have today. You understand what I'm saying, right? But none of us has a guarantee that tomorrow will ever come for me. And so, today might very well be my last exit before toll. Now you think about that. I appreciate that you laughed. But think about it. Today might be your last chance to get on the right road. Last last opportunity to get off of the highway the broad road, the easy way, the easy, comfortable path, the path that everybody else is doing, you're going along, everybody else is smiling and laughing, you're enjoying the beautiful sunny day, looking for a little bit of shade. Oh, look, here's a nice roadside attraction. We can pull off, we can have a bite of lunch, get a cool, refreshing drink, use the restroom and get back on the road like everybody else. Up ahead, up ahead, the bridge is out. And there are people like me that are telling you, up ahead, the bridge is out. Get off of this road before it's too late. This road you're on is leading you to destruction. It's comfortable, it's a nice, pleasant ride until it isn't. You think it's hot here? Today, you will make a decision. Or you will confirm a decision you made yesterday or last year or decades ago. But no one leaves here today without having made a decision. 
What is your choice? I can't speak for anybody else here. I can tell you, I have chosen and I continue to choose the narrow way that leads to life. I believe what Jesus said. I believe the testimony of those that have gone before me and the example of many others that I have seen who have taken the road that Jesus says, take the, take the narrow gate, take the hard road. It's the way that leads to life. Ephesians chapter, eight, chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not according to the works that you have done, so that no one can boast. Titus chapter 3 reminds us of this. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There is a way that seems right, but it leads to destruction. Reject that. You are not going to get into heaven because you have done your best to be a good person. Reject that. That is the road that leads to destruction. It seems right. Lots of people will agree with you. You'll have plenty of companions to walk with you in agreement on the wrong road. But Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. I am the gate, Jesus said. He who believes in me will have eternal life. What is your choice? Which way are you going? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close this service with me with some prayer. The worship team is going to come and lead us in the singing of a song. And I'm going to ask you, To act on the choice that you are making. You don't have to get up and come forward and kneel at the front here and and pray and be seen by others. You don't have to do that. But maybe there is something in you that is compelling you to do that. Maybe you want to make the choice that you have made public. I've told you where I stand. You probably guessed that, or you wouldn't have given me this job. But do do the people around you know where you stand? Do the people that you care about know about the choice that you have made? Do the people around you know that you have chosen the narrow gate? That you have rejected the way that seems right to most of the world? Because you know it leads to destruction. And you have chosen the hard road. 
the road that leads to eternal life. Being a, being a Christian, following Jesus, is not an easy thing to live out. It's not an easy walk to walk. I'm telling you, I'm not going to try to make it an easy road. That's already there. The easy road is already there. Following Jesus requires a life commitment. And it means something on Monday, not just on Sunday. But I'm going to ask you now to search your heart as the worship team leads us in singing a song. Search your heart. What choice are you making today? Do you need to rethink the choice that you have been making? Do you need to reset and make sure that you are walking on the right road? Maybe you're somebody who set out years ago to take the hard road, but somehow you found a way back to the easy one. You've been, you've been seduced by the easy life. And you found yourself suddenly aware of the fact that you're no longer following the Jesus road. This is a time for us to reset to recommit. What decision have you made today? Heavenly Father, as we sing this song, I pray that you will help us to be very honest with ourselves, not to impress anybody else, not to do what seems like the religious thing to do, but to be sure in our own hearts, in our own conscience, listening to the Holy Spirit speaking to us as you have been speaking to us through this morning. I thank you for answering my prayer this morning that you would silence every distraction, that you would give us this time, this sacred, quiet time to hear from you. And now I pray, Father, as the Spirit of God compels us to a decision, that you will help us to make a firm, committed decision to follow Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name.
undecided if you have questions speak to me speak to someone else you know if you want a longer conversation come and see me during the week make myself available to you my job is to make sure you are ready for the meeting that is in front of you it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment my job is to get you ready for that appointment. And I want to do it well. If you have questions, please talk to me. That's why I'm here. You're not going to bother me. 
my heart will be filled with joy that you wanted to talk about this most important decision any of us will ever make. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen.